Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Billy Mize was instrumental in defining the Bakersfield sound, an exhilarating, innovative movement that forever changed country music. An incredibly gifted musician, lyricist, well-loved and respected by his peers, Mize was a product of the Dust Bowl. He was a committed family man and a rare artist who traded in the road and wider fame that comes with it for home. We are joined today by the director and grandson of uh, Billy Mize, and that would be Joe Saunders, the film is Billy Mize and the Bakersfield Sound. Joe Saunders. Joe, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about the decision that that went into making this film, given the, your familial uh, connection to Billy. Uh, yeah. What was that? What was that like for you to to decide to go forward with this? Well, it was uh, it, it 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 was a long process. Uh, the decision making process of that because um, I really didn't know that there was such a significant story there at, at the beginning. And I didn't want to just do a, a documentary about my grandfather. You know, I wasn't interested in exploring my relationship with him, which was, which has always been a great relationship. But, you know, I didn't, you know, I knew he was a country musician. I knew he had ties to Haggard, but to me, that made it the substance of a documentary. Um, but my mom was always encouraging and she was, she would tell me about all the stuff, all the archive footage and photos and all the you know, stuff he had. And I, I was always you know, I, I was making films at the time at uh, NFL Films, doing sports documentaries, and um, you know, just kind of kept putting off that that uh, investigation. And finally, uh, a friend of mine who was a country music fan and found out my grandfather was Billy Mize started gushing and being like, "Oh man, you have to you have to do something with him. Don't you know what he's done?" And um, I started looking into it, and to my embarrassment, he you know he had a very significant part in the Bakersfield sound and uh, changing country music industry. So I'm going to say, I'm going to extrapolate from what you just said. Obviously, he didn't make a big deal about uh, his life uh, to to you guys. Right. Nor Uh, did my mom. (laughs) Nor did your mom. Interesting. Uh, Now... Uh, now going the next step in this making this decision. So it sounds like everyone was on board. Your mom, uh, you know, his uh, the ex wives, everybody that was involved was uh, participated. And by the way, they just uh, it's uh, that part of the film is very touching. Uh, the the, uh, the people he seems like he is a very nice man. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, very dedicated family man. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the, was it? How difficult was it to track down the footage? There's some amazing footage of early performances, mm-hmm. of the TV show that he was a part of, the stuff mm-hmm. with Gene Autry. Was it difficult to find that that stuff? You know, uh, it it wasn't difficult. The, one of the one of the great things about shooting a, a documentary over six years is you have a lot of time for stuff to just kind of fall on your lap. And that's basically what happened. You know, I had a I had a wealth of material at the beginning, like the Gene Autry Melody Ranch uh, stuff was already on DVD. It had been distributed by this, uh, um, I think, a Swedish company. Um, mm. But um, so that stuff was accessible, and the Town Hall Party stuff was accessible, and um, you know some of that other stuff, like the the Billy Mize Music Hall, yeah. and uh, some other kind of individual clips of of him and Gene Autry. 
um, those just kind of came to me over time and people I would meet would say, you know, hey, you should see this. I have this little clip that you might be interested in. And um, that's kind of how it all came together. Well, okay, great. Well, I sort of skipped ahead. Let's let's put your uh, grandfather, Billy Mize, in, in the context of country western music going back mm-hmm. to the beginning of his career and the span of the his career. So then the beginning, uh, when he first started playing, where did he, he's a, he's a, a product of the Dust Bowl. His, right. Go ahead, tell, tell, tell us about his family history a little bit. Yeah, so he, yeah, he was, you know, Grape Sprat style, came, uh, he and his family put all their belongings into a car with the promise of uh, work in California and um, got to California, I believe, in 1931. And, um, you know, with all the rest of the Okies and, and all the rest of the kind of migrants there. And it was a very blue-collar town when they got to Bakersfield. There's a lot of oil work and there's a lot of agricultural work. And um, the sound kind of came out of the combination of all the different musical cultures that, that kind of came together there in this multi- melting pot of people. And um, so that, so he just was one of these really talented, naturally gifted musicians was at the right place at the right time. And started playing at a very young age and um, started getting recognition in that area at a very young age. Boy, is he, is he, he was prolific. His voice was remarkable. I, he's, that's one of the best sounding voices that I have ever heard. Um, just pure. He had a pure voice, didn't he? Yeah. It, it's one of, I think it's, it's one of the most uh, outstanding features of him as a performer is his ability to control his vocal range. I mean, he just, he can go low, low, and he can go high, high, and he does it so smoothly. Um, you know, he, he was, the, the, the facial sound is typically known as this kind of honky-tonk, you know, twangy, right. you know, sung with an accent and, and rock-infused, and he had that, but, you know, he was kind of a standout in that crowd because his voice was just so great and so smooth and, yeah. um, and yeah, he's a little different from those guys, but you know, still, still a part of it. Just a natural, and and I just listening to his voice. And again, this is the first time I've ever heard Billy Mize, but uh, just it, he had uh, uh, there was a, a fullness, there was a richness to the sound of his voice. Right. Where with a lot of the other singers of his era and of that kind of sound, they had a, a twangy sound to their voice. Right. If that's yeah. a, a technical way of putting it, but yeah, it it, it just but it, but at the same time there were a lot of country singers at that that time that kind of um, Arnold, um, what's his name? Uh, it's Ar- um, uh, anyway, who had that kind of baritone voice, but mm-hmm. but Billy had the he had the twang in it, but it was not it didn't. It just was a beautiful sound. Now and that, right. and let's kind of give people the idea of what the uh, the Bakersfield sound is. It's, it's guitar, fiddle, a rockabilly kind of. We would know as rockabilly sensibility, right? Sound to it. Well, you know, that's that's the question that everyone is continuing to ask: is what is the Bakersfield sound? Everybody has a different answer. I, I think um, my answer would be the Bakersfield sound is just this is this community, this nope. group of musicians that um, just all kind of fed off each other and out of Bakersfield, California, based on you know dance music, and um, there's all sorts of different combinations of you know, instruments that each of them used and used differently, and um, so it's hard to pin down the actual you know audio sound of the Bakersfield sound. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's more of the, that, that community of people. Okay. 
Good. That's a good definition. Um, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with uh, Joe Saunders. He's the director, producer, screenwriter, and also part-time cinematographer on this film, uh, Billy Mize and the Bakersfield Sound. It is screening tonight, uh, and if you're clicking on filmschoolradio.com today, it's Saturday, June 5th. 14th, and there'll be a screening at 4.50 at the Regal Cinema 10, and also on Monday on the 16th at 9.30 at the Regal Cinema 12, and it's all part of the Los Angeles Film Festival, which is fantastic. Um, talk a little bit about his peers, some of the people, you, you mentioned the sound, but some of the people mm-hmm. who came out of Bakersfield. Right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the, you know, the two most notable uh, names that came out of Bakersfield were Buck Owens and, and Merle Haggard, yeah. and at the time, uh, the, the 60s and 70s, those two names were the biggest names in country music. And I kind of, it's kind of like my generation's uh, grunge, you know, these the Nirvana and Pearl Jam exploding out of Seattle. No one saw it coming, and it changed everything in, in you know, pop culture. Well, that's what happened in the 60s in Bakersfield. These two musicians just came over and took over the, uh, you know, the, the, the pop charts, or, sorry, the country charts, but Buck Owens, you know, went into the pop charts as well. And the Beatles were covering them. Yeah. I mean, everybody was covering these guys. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and there were several others as well that came, that came out of California, but obviously those, those two were the biggest. Well, the, 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 one of the facts in the film about, um, the, uh, Buck Owens having something like 16, is it, is that the number yeah, of number right. one songs? I mean, more than in a row. In a like row. That, that's, that's the thing <laughs> in a row, 16 number one hits in a row. That's just phenomenal. So obviously, obviously the sound was popular, and obviously your grandfather, Billy Mize, was one of the uh, proponents, one of the, one of the great ambassadors for the sound. Uh, and he started, during the course of his, he, get, this speaks to his character, started doing a lot of shows in Bakersfield and then was looking for ways to expand that audience. And tell us a little bit about how he went about doing that. Well, yeah, I mean, he, so, so he, what happened was, um, you know, he was, he, he got to that place in his career when um, the, the labels wanted him to go on the road and promote the record, because that was the only way to do that in that, in that day, was just to go, go on the road and go to different radio stations, and he thought the place of a father and a husband was, was at home with his family and his wife. So he chose to stay at home, and um, he was able to do that because television was just emerging. And he's a good-looking guy, yeah. so he was—it was kind of a natural transition to put him in front of a camera. And um, he you knew—he was so talented that he would bring on all these up-and-comers and people who knew him. And his—you know—he—he he kind of exploded as a television personality and became, at, at, during that time, in those regional programming, like the—you know—country host. And so he helped. You know, Merle Haggard was uh, his first television appearance was on the Billy Mai Show. And, um, you know, he had Buck Owens was his lead guitarist on the show. And, you know, it just it goes on and on and on. Yeah, it's it's a great part of the film. And and I, I want people to see uh, Billy Mize and the Bakersfield Sound. So I'm, we're not going to give away all of the, 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 the good stuff here. But uh-huh. needless to say, uh, Billy experienced uh, some uh, uh, a series of personal tragedies that uh, would... Uh, would knock anyone off their feet, and uh, he continued to, uh, I guess, really kind of reinforce his commitment to being a family man in the process. So, 
uh, amidst this success, this uh, this uh, rising star, if you will, in the field in the, in country music, uh, it was at the same time he was dealing with some serious serious uh, uh, tragedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, wow, it, it, yeah, this is the one of the strengths of, uh, of Billy Mize and the Bakersfield Sound is this uh, full spectrum uh, look at his him and his life. Um, what did you learn about your grandfather? Uh, one or two things that maybe were the most surprising things in the and and about this. What did you come away from as as a director out of this? That's and a good a, question. Grand, grandson. Yeah, um, yeah, two completely different questions or two completely different answers. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say, well, as as a grandson, I, I mean, I I guess I'm just I, I'm really glad that I did this because it really brought me so much closer to not only my grandfather, but, but my, you know, my family, my extended family. Um, there's, there's the camera allows you to ask questions to your family that you would never otherwise ask. Yeah. I, I didn't know that I didn't know about some of the tragedies in, in my mom's life, in my grandfather's life until the camera was rolling and I started asking questions yeah. and, you know, just having that family history, you know, it's, it's priceless. And getting to know my grandfather in a, in a much deeper level and just knowing how great of a person he was in, in his life is inspiring and, you know, makes me want to try to emulate bits of him in my life. Um, but as a as a director, I learned that you need to get financing in place before you start these, <laughs> these, these long, long documentaries. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, even a longer, longer road. It was a financing this was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I'm not very good at fundraising. It's not something I went to school for or you know, have a natural ability to do. So that was that was a, a huge challenge did throughout. You, did you take advantage or did you look into Kickstarter, those sort of things? Yeah, we did Kickstarter and you know, we raised about fifteen grand on Kickstarter and that was great, you know. I mean that's kinda of how we did it. We would when whenever we needed money, we would organize some kind of a fundraiser. We did Kickstarter once, and you know we didn't want to go back to it because we figured we tapped out everybody that <laughs> would have would have donated. And so we did fundraisers in Bakersfield. You know, we started as as things got moving, and as the as the movie started coming together, and I saw that we had something really special. I was able to send out cuts to bigger companies like the Academy of Country Music and Country Music Hall of Fame, and um, uh, you know other other organizations that we felt could tie into the documentary and help us. And that, and you were able to. Well, obviously, you were able to get enough financing. Where where there's a screening tonight, so obviously right, it's yeah. all it's all pulled together at some level. But um, right, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, it's just and just to your your point about um, you know the asking the family questions. Mm-hmm. Boy, is that true? I I mean, I just personally, how little I know about my grandparents. It's it's mm-hmm. staggering. It's staggering. T- how little I know about their background and and then right. and uh, just some basic questions and and then uh, here you are talking to your mom about some tragedies that I I will just from what you said probably did not share uh, certainly to the to the emotional level that she does on camera exactly right how, that must have been quite a quite a day for the both of you. It was, and you know, I knew bits and pieces of some, and we'll just go ahead and say it. So she lost her her brothers, uh, two completely tragic accidents that um, were three years apart from each other, and you know, it was just 
terrible. And I knew I knew she had lost her uh, older brother, but I, I was I wasn't aware that she lost her younger brother. Yeah. And then learning the, the details of how that happened and how like closely she was involved to that. You know, so I'm kind of getting choked up just thinking about it now. Yeah, but it's. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. It was a it was a rough day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it comes. It, it again. This is as I said earlier. This is the full spectrum of of the life uh, of of Billy Mize and how uh, a man who immensely talented, great songwriter. I was just just so enthralled with his sound and his ability. His as a lyricist and just listening to the songs. So they were just. They're they're really good. I mean, really yeah. good stuff, and yeah. uh, and it's just uh, I'm shocked that I I have not heard his name more prominently uh, than than, than I, I had. Yeah, I mean, you know, he just never he never had a manager. He never had an agent. He never had you know because he wouldn't go on the road. He never had the labels promoting him. And you know, there's I think there's people like this all the time that just get forgotten. Yeah. Really talented people that for one reason or another just you know don't have all the necessary you know tools to to get their voice out there well in the last couple minutes here just uh i want to ask you a couple things about billy how's he doing he's doing good you know he's he's uh, he's not coming to the premiere but he's he's you know he's 85 now and um he doesn't talk as much as he used to and you know but he's he still laughs a lot and um and uh, well, you know he, he's really proud of the, of the documentary, and good. he's seen it a few times. <laughs> good, good. And uh, and yeah. Well, he should be proud. Um, and uh, he, and to you as well. Again, I mean, for a, a lot of reasons, uh, as as much as a a family document, a, a something to kind of allow people to see kind of the roadmap of of the lives of the people that have come before them. Uh, and with the character of the people, your grandfather and all, but also a very good film, very good documentary about uh, a, a, a unfortunately uh, and, and undeservedly a relatively obscure member of uh, a great tradition, country western music, and who really did so much uh, for it uh, and asked very little of it, and um, and now hopefully we'll get his more due. It really he really deserves to be recognized for the for the artist that he is. So, well, thank you. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and and so let's let people know again at the LA Film Fest uh, tonight. There's a screening. This is Saturday. We'll have this posted today, Saturday four fifty at the Regal Ten uh, Cinema Ten, and also on Monday at nine thirty p.m. at the Regal Cinema Twelve. Uh, and it sounds like you're going to be around for the screening. Yes, I'll be here um, as well as my mother and my grandmother who are in the film, and yeah. um, there'll be some some other people that are involved as well. Well, and and last thing, uh, I I saw in the in the material I got that you're working on some other stuff. I, I did want to sort of throw in a plug. You're working with Alex Gibney on on a project. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it it is fantastic. You know, like I was saying, you know, it's so hard to to, to get funds together, and when you when you have someone like Alex. Um, helping you out, it's it's a relief. <laughs> and and also you've got a, another project regarding the the foster care system as well. So, right. yeah. con- congratulations to you, Joe. Uh, hope. Thank you. Yeah, and I really look forward to your work. And 
uh, I hope you can find some time to come back here in film school when when some of these other things are are ready to hit the the screens. So uh, yeah, I'd love to. Thank you so much, Joe. Really appreciate right. you spending time with thank me. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.